Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. It's me again, Donna Chappelle Aiden. It has been a while since we've had you on the pod, and yet no Ben Simmons trade. How are you feeling about that so far? Uh, we'll see what happens. I kind of like it, to be honest. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, any No Ben Simmons for, you know, Kaminga, Moody, four first-round picks, some Wiggins-Wiseman action, no, 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 no superstar package? Not just yet, but we'll get there. <laughs> well, it is good to have you on. We're just going to jump right into it. So in our la- one of our last episodes, we did all of the Western Conference covering each of their off-seasons and classifying every team as a winner, a loser, or deciding if we just kind of need to see it first. And I want to do the same with you with the Eastern Conference, so we can just get right into it. Aiden, you have a couple winners for sure that are on your off-season list. Uh, we can start with your first team. Who do you think in your mind is a winner in this NBA off-season from the Eastern Conference? First team that I can think of is easily Chicago. I think they're a clear winner. So we're starting with, we're starting with the disagreement. I love to see it. Let's hear let's hear the Chicago case. You know, I thought last year they were just, you know, they were just not a solid team and everyone knew that, you know, they was Chicago. We, we didn't expect much from them. Zach Levine balled out, and we understand that and cool um but, you know, Zach Levine can't do it all. They traded for Nikola Vucevic at the trade deadline, didn't end up doing too much with him in the second half of the season. You know, they bumped they, they bumped enough uh, but they still missed the playoffs. They were an 11 seed, didn't even make play-in games. Uh, they were 31 and 41 to end the year, right? With these moves, uh, I love DeMar DeRozan pickup, which I know isn't you know the greatest take yeah. that I've heard. I love the DeMar DeRozan pickup. I think um, they have very a lot of talent in Chicago. I think they have a lot of talent in Chicago, and I think DeMar DeRozan is a is going to be considered at the end of the day he's going to glue like the team together i think his veteran presence on playoff teams is very very needed in that uh locker room and i like the presence in the locker room more than i like it in on the court but i think they really really needed that i love the alex caruso pickup that's an uh, underrated one. I'll give you credit for that one. That's a good one. Al- the Alex Caruso pickup I thought was a great pickup for that team specifically because Alex Caruso can spot the ball from the three-point line wherever he wants to. Um, he He's an explosive, dominant player who can make it from the three-point line and can make it down low very easily. So I just I think Alex Caruso is a great pickup for Chicago who needed some of that explosiveness in their lineup, minus Zach Levine. Um, and the Lonzo Ball move, you know, I think they gave up a lot for Lonzo Ball to sign him for a very, very large amount. However, his playmaking will be very, very needed in a lineup with Zach Levine and, and Nikola Vucevic. Pure scores, one from down low and one from anywhere else on the court. Um, so I think it's going to be really needed. So I think the playmaking is going to be very, very helpful. I see Lonzo's assist numbers going up really high this season so on paper i have this uh, on the basketball court i have this as undecided because i want to see how all of them fit together but from an off-season asset standpoint it's a total loser for me case for me surprise me i think the lonzo ball deal actually was the best of all of them because you gave up what sataransky and aminu and like a second round pick or like sataransky like a second you gave up nothing basically which is nice and the lonzo for 85 yeah and the lonzo ball contract for what 20 yeah the four for 85 is a good deal because that'll age very well what kills me is the derozan contract that's just a bad one because you give up thaddeus young your best trade trip besides levine you give up a first round pick and two second round picks you have to trade. You get off Aminu's money, but it wasn't like he was doing much. And you paid DeRozan eighty six million. And the question I have is that who was competing to give DeRozan basically ninety million for three years? That's my problem. It's not that they didn't have they didn't improve. Of course they improved. Demar DeRozan, anybody would want to have on their team. But trading Thaddeus Young and three picks and giving him eighty six million—that's pretty poor asset play. I gotta ask you this though. Uh, if you're a Bulls fan, does this team? Do you think this team is more than a playing team? Do you think they're worthy to be like a six seed out east? I see them as a five. A five, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I mock them as the five seed. Um, in in this this coming season, um, with this lineup. So I'm very you know I'm interested to see if it turns out right or not. But I see them as more of a play, and I see them as about a five. Do you the only, the other problem I have with this offseason moves from Chicago's standpoint is that is all of this worth it for Zach Levine? 
Like, what has Zach Levine done in the past couple of years that's worthy of him getting all this attention? Because the only reason I say that is that Levine has not signed the contract extension yet. And he still could opt out and leave after next season this coming free agency, right? Mm-hmm. And my issue is that if he leaves, you now have Lonzo, DeRozan, and Vucevic and no future picks for the next couple of years. And that's a scary sight if you're a Bulls fan because then you did all of this for Zach Levine, who I don't even think is an all-NBA third team guy, for him to just walk. Debatable. Look, I think that... It is debatable. If, I will give you that. <laughs> <laughs> if next year shows that this team you know, is good enough to compete and compete semi-deep in the playoffs, um, I think that part of Zach Levine's move of you know, not signing the contract extension and waiting till you know next season i think one is because of what you said he could walk if the team underperforms but two i think it's because it's a very similar situation to what i've seen that he could sign for even more money with the with the bulls next year which is signed for a max contract so i think i think part of this thinking is that zach levine is trying to make some more money at the same time because zach levine you know isn't a max contract guy up until he was this season uh, when he made the all-star team. So, like, Zach Levine... And, wait, and what's funny is that on our very first episode, when you were on the pod, that first episode, we had Levine as a candidate for the, a trade to the Sixers. I remember that all the way back in February. It's, that is true. A lot's happened yeah, since. I have loved Zach Levine. I've always loved Zach Levine since since dunk contest days in Minnesota. So like, which to you know, pause you real quick, I still think it's possible. By the way, a Levine for Simmons swap is pretty possible. I don't think the Bulls would do it, but that's besides my yeah, point. Yeah. Um, it's just not enough outside scoring for the Bulls. Um, anyway, I think that part of Levine's thinking is that he wants more money. And that, you know, he's shown he's deserved more money, and that's why he hasn't signed the extension yet, because he wants to prove that he's worth a max contract. So, you know, it, I think if they, if the Bulls play well and go to, say, the second round, I think he resigns. My concerns with the Bulls, I agree with you. I think that at best they are like a 5C, maybe even a 4C if they get lucky. My issue, though, is the downside of this deal, of these deals, because DeRozan's 32, getting paid a lot, like a former All-Star, and Vucevic, who already has shown decline is 31 on the bat and usually centers age pretty poorly, even for a guy like him who can shoot and rebound the, that type of thing. And then the defense is pretty bad because you got Lonzo who's an above average, uh, I would say good to above average, depending on the day you get him. Levine yep. is atrocious. DeRozan's a non-negotiable and Vucevic is a non-negotiable. So you're relying on Caruso, Lonzo, and I guess what Patrick Williams, like the second year player to take a big leap, like OJ and Anubi type stuff. Like that's a big ask for like a 20 year old. Patrick Williams, Kobe White could improve his defense maybe and to uh, use like a better, a different role off the bench. See, uh, that's why I don't like, that's the only reason I don't like the DeRozan movies because I think they're a better off with Thaddeus Young. He could play the stretch four. You could play him at small ball five if Vucevic is killing on defense. I, DeRozan is a great fit. Like, don't get me wrong. Anybody would want a 20 and seven guy. But with the Bulls right. that have two dominant ball handlers and then a, a center who, to score, either is shooting threes or needs the ball in his hand, there's only one ball to, like, go around for that team. No, it's fair. The, the thing with my, like, Thaddeus Young for me is that that dude is old as dirt. I really expected yes. him to announce I expected him to announce his retirement right after the trade went through, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I thought he was just going to completely announce his retirement and get paid. Um I'm surprised he's still playing, but he's not going to have large minutes. And he's like, he can't have large minutes anymore just because he's, he's so old. And in like his condition, like for the league, he's old, very old. Like I remember him on the Sixers, you know, like 2011. Um, you know, it's just, it's crazy. So he's not getting the minutes he used to get. So they needed guys who could get more minutes and more production. Let's move on to your, who's your next winner in the Eastern Conference in terms of the offseason? Oh, this one's hard. I'm going to go. I'm gonna go with Charlotte Hornets. I'm gonna go with the Charlotte. Hornets. That, that's an inter- they're also a slight winner for me. I really like they what they did in the draft. They were able to get a nice guy in Kai Jones, uh, rebuild around Lamelo Ball. I like how they didn't make any drastic trades. I like the. It wasn't Cody Zeller. Who they get this? Uh, I like uh, Mason Pumbley as like their kind of like weird center. They have a lot of young guys who can they can easily trade for somebody. They're they're a winner because they didn't do anything stupid, which I like. 
that's exactly what I was going to say. I think that they made some very great uh, drafts. I love James Bonite. Um, yeah, James Booknight out of uh, out of UConn is a great pick too. I thought he was a great pick. You were right with uh, Kai Jones, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, great player. I really like. I liked his play in college. Um, and you know, I thought that you're right. They didn't do anything stupid, so I call them a winner. They overachieved what they did last year, so they want to keep that core of players together. Um, they didn't make any drastic changes to like try and get like a superstar to build around. I think this team is just wants to build around their young core. Uh, Lamella Ball, uh, Miles Turner, uh, PJ Washington, and then you have those vet guys and Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and they just signed Kelly Oubre. Yeah, and Kelly so, Oubre is a nice guy off their bench too, as like a solid like seventh or eighth guy. Absolutely, I like Kelly Oubre as like a seventh guy um, who can draw some attention on the court. You know, he may not be the most consistent player, but he he's guy he's a guy worth drawing attention to on the defense so almost using him in that sense i just think is a great move um and i really like that they didn't do anything stupid and and mason Plumley was a good pickup compared to cody zettler you don't like bismack biombo and like his you know tennis racket hands when he like catches the ball and you know like bounces off him like a pogo stick oh yeah yeah looking uh, it's bad <laughs> Uh, well, I'm glad they didn't, you know, pay Rashawn Holmes sixty million dollars like the Kings because I roasted that deal last time because that was atrocious. Um, a couple of winners I have off the top of my head that I think you would probably agree with me. Uh, number one, the Brooklyn Nets kept all their guys, re-signed Blake Lif- uh, Bra- uh Wow, his name Blake Griffin to a minimum yep. deal without having to overpay him, and he didn't. I like that. Uh, Bruce Brown is back on a min- on the on the uh, qualifying offer, which is super nice. Um, they lose Jeff Green, but replace him with James uh, Johnson, former Heat uh, near All Star, apparently. But I think he's a solid pickup for them. And they got the best veteran on the market in Patty Mills, who is the one guy they need on their bench to just be a lights out shooter, play 15 minutes, veteran presence, just kick butt in Australia with the Olympic team. Like, they made some pretty uh, mar- moves around the margin. And, of course, re signed Kevin Durant for the next four years and work on the Kyrie and Harden extensions. I forgot about the Patty Mills deal. That deal is that deal is very underrated. I really like that, um, especially for the contract he got. I'm pretty sure he got like almost about the vet minimum. Yeah, no, it was it was like a six mil. It was six for or two for twelve. So like about six million a year, which is super nice. And I mean, you the answer is easy probably for you, but the Nets are easily the best team probably to beat out East this year, right? Probably. I mean, now that uh, PJ Tucker's in your land of Miami, like leaving Milwaukee, and um, you know they they've lost a couple assets. Um, you know, I think that Brooklyn is the team to beat right now. They're. I think they're. For, I think they're in a tier of their own. I think it's the Nets, and then probably Bucks, Bucks, Sixers, Heat, maybe like that, and then another drop off, and then it's like the Hawks, Knicks, Celtics, Bulls. Compart whatever is going on there. Um, right. Let's talk about another. Let's talk about this team. What are your thoughts on the Washington Wizards? Did they have a? Bring that up. Did they you win know, the off season? I think they did. You know, I put them as undecided, but wow, to- interesting. Okay, I put them as undecided, but leaning towards winning. Um, you know, I think the moves they made were very good. Trading Russell Westbrook for a very large package like that of um, Kuzma, Harrell, KCP, and a first-round pick, I believe, um, I thought was a great deal. You know, um, they're bringing in players who can build around Bradley Beal uh, to try and keep Bradley Beal in Washington coming next season when he's a free agent. Um, I put them as undecided because I really don't know how these players are going to mesh together. Um, You know, that this new starting lineup of... Dinwiddie, Beal, Kuzma, Montrez, Harrell on the bench, KCP on the bench, uh, throw in Daniel Gafford, who's still there. I mean, you got the go uh, Denny Abja, 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 however you're going to pronounce his name. Abja, <laughs> yeah, you know, he'll come off the bench. Um, there's just a lot of presence in that team, which I like. However, I also think there's a lot of ego. Yeah, that's so, an interesting take. Okay, okay. So I've got them as a winner. Here's why. They got off the Westbrook deal, which is fantastic. And I think they got him for the most valuable possible because here's why. KCP's on a one-year deal. Excellent 3 and D guy. He flames out. You trade him for something at the deadline. Montres Harrell's only making $9 million. You can easily put him in some trade to get somebody else. Kuzma, 
was the Lakers' best young player. And for as much as the Lakers media overhypes him, he is still a young guy who never fit with the Lakers. Now he has an opportunity in Washington. And you got the 22nd pick. So you basically got the Lakers, three of the Lakers is what, seven best players last year and an additional first-round pick and got off Westbrook's money. The one problem with the Wizards, this whole Bradley Beal tenure, is that they never had depth. It was always they had four NBA players and that was it. Now they have like 11. Like they have a full-blown like starting five and a closing five and bench depth and scoring and versatility and defense. I mean, even like you all the down the whole positional spectrum, you can say that they're only missing like a good three and D wing, but maybe Denny Obdi is that guy. You put KCP down there. Like this Wizards team is pretty balanced. They're a sneaky. They're for me like a sneaky playing team. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they made the eight seed if like everything kind of went well, like in a very good ideal universe. A big thing for me putting them as undecided was Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> In, in his own right, um, because he was really the centerpiece of that Westbrook deal. Um, Kuzma, to me, is a very intriguing player. Kuzma seems like the guy that can go out and hit hit shots from anywhere, right? Down low, three-point line. He seems like that guy. He's just always been inconsistent to me. And, like, you know, I want to see him grow some consistency when he has more minutes, like he did say, his rookie year and his second year in the league, for example. You know, he dropped off a little bit in that third, fourth year, uh, and I want to see him come back to what he looked like in his rookie season. I just don't know if he has that in him. Well, the best part about this deal for the Wizards, which is why I think they're also a slight winner, is that, as you put it out, it's it's not just Kuzma. They have a lot of guys with things to prove, like Harrell has a chance to really up his value because Thomas Bryant isn't coming back from injury in time. So it's going to be uh, Gafford and Harrell as the two centers. He could rebuild his value. Kuzma, right. if he doesn't do good now, he's never going to be good ever. So now's his time to, you know, really kick it into high gear. KCP, he needs to rebuild his value as like this 3 and D guy. And even the rest of the roster, I mean, Dinwiddie is off an ACL injury. He He's looking, now that he's got a new contract and nothing to go against, he's got... The green light to be the second guy off Beal. He was he was excellent with Brooklyn as a second banana. I don't see why he can't be that here. This yeah. team is hungry. Like this team has a lot of players who really have a good amount to prove this season. I agree with that. I, I do. It's just there's a lot of questions for me. Yeah. Um, as to how this team is going to produce, a lot of these guys are coming off off seasons or injury seasons. So these guys have have a lot to prove. However, are they going to prove it? So they're undecided for me because of all these questions. Well, and to bounce off of it, because I've been on this camp you've known for months, I don't think Bradley Beal can be the best player on a team. I've said it from the very jump. I think at best, if he's your best player, you can make a playing game, maybe make it to like the eighth seed and like get swept. But I don't think... If he's your second banana, great. We saw with the 2017 Wizards with John Wall when he had the All-NBA year and it was him and Bradley Beal. They made the second round, almost made the conference finals multiple times. But him as your best guy, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you, you and I have been talking about that for months. And, you know, I'm interested to see with Beal being the best guy now what's going to happen with this young, deep team with Beal leading it. Another winner for me, but I want to get your take. Miami Heat, let's have the conversation right now with Miami. Get Kyle Lowry for three for 85. Resign Butler to the massive extension. Duncan's here for another five years. They get P.J. Tucker from the Bucks, which is a sneaky acquisition. Oladipo's back on the minimum. They've got Gabe Vincent and Kaziak Paul and some of these randos. I'm like, what are we doing? But Deadman's back. Yurt Savin's balling out in the summer league. There's a lot to unpack here. What are your thoughts on Miami? Does the Kyle Lowry move put them over the top? You know, I was saying this before about my Sixers that I didn't want Lowry and I never and I didn't want Lowry but it, but he seems to fit really well in that Miami system right so my thing with Kyle Lowry was that he's a good player it was all about fit right this fit really works for Kyle Lowry specifically uh, Kyle Lowry's a, a NBA champion right you need like that's a locker room thing as long as he's he has the team with him He's got his best buddy, Jimmy Butler, who's an all-star for however many years, all-star caliber player for years on end, um, signed a new $184 million contract. That one, so, that one hurt a little bit, not going to lie. <laughs> no, it's – it's I kind of liked it. Okay, okay. Think- Liam didn't like it on the, on the first time we went over the news, so I'm glad you're a little bit more passive on it. <laughs> 
you know, you got these guys that like they they really fit this Miami culture, and that's what uh, Spolstra and Pat Riley just want. And Lowry's just a great fit for that. So is PJ Tucker. <coughs> PJ Tucker is another great fit for that. PJ Tucker is in his role reminds me of what Jay Crowder was on that NBA Finals team. Right, he was the like, one guy we're missing this year. A, a some just a a small ball four that can just do all the dirty work. Absolutely, that deal. It's just literally, basically, just bringing back Jay Crowder, which is exactly what I I've been saying. I've wanted you guys to do, and that you should have never let Jay Crowder go. Um, I really like the PJ Tucker deal. Another NBA champion. You know, it's more locker room grit and grind, um, along with Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, keeping Duncan Robinson for, for ninety million dollars. Um, I love that a, contract. I love it to death. I really I, love it to death because the media hypes him up so much that he could have thought he deserved more. Um, well, I was waiting for New York to offer like four for a hundred. I was waiting for or San Antonio to do like I don't know three for sixty. I, I was kind of crapping myself there, so I'm glad it kind of like uh, the five for ninety is a steal for eighteen million. It's pretty good. Yeah, five for ninety is a great deal because Duncan Robinson. How, however, he may have been old coming in as a rookie, right? He's a he's a shooter, and y'all are y'all like that in Duncan. Oh, oh uh, yes, oh yeah, we love our sh- the shooter shoot down here. Absolutely. So you know, I love the deal. I think Miami's a clear winner. I was just you know I didn't want to steal your thunder bringing them up earlier. Oh uh, no, you're fu- oh oh please bring all the thunder. We- Miami needs more thunder after last year's disappointment. It's good to have some more thunder here. No, I really, I actually really like Miami um, in this year's in this year's standings. I mocked them at four. So the only issue I have with Miami, because the the, the the issue, the best part about Kyle Lowry, which is what you put out, is that he's the perfect fit. He doesn't have to be the best player anymore, like he was in Toronto. He's the third best guy at best with this Miami team. So yeah. concerns about him having wear and tear. He's not going to be playing forty minutes a night. It's going to be more like thirty until playoff time. This Miami team is built in, let's get to the four or fives, and then we'll go from there. Let's just make the playoffs. Let's skip the play-in. Let's get the week off, and then let's go. Because they can match up against any team, probably minus Brooklyn. Especially now, with Philly not making improvements, with Milwaukee still being the same team, Miami's got now a roster of, like, nine guys that I can trust. I think they're still not there yet. I think they need either, like, another wing scorer, like... I don't know, like, they either need, like, a Dorian Finney-Smith, like, stretch four, three and D guy. Yeah, they literally need, like, some guy like that. Just some, either another score or some P.J. Tucker, J. Crowder, two point, like, another one. Like, like, in an ideal world, it would have been Q's legend Jeremy Grant, but that's financially impossible. But they need, like, Paul Millsap would be great, too. He would be a great addition. He would be, like, perfect for this type of team. But in terms of Miami as a contender, I'd argue they're probably, like, right in that tier, too. Would you agree with me that probably after Brooklyn, they're in, like, that next group of, like, the fourth to tenth best team in the in the whole con, uh, in the whole uh, NBA? Absolutely, and I think they're high up in that in that tier. Um, do you see any regression from Butler this coming season? I feel like that's a big concern nobody's talking about. He comes off – I mean, he's going to be 33, comes off an all-NBA year for sure. Great, don't get me wrong, but – it is a thing to watch out for. Do we see it or is it not yet? The only thing I'm intrigued about is that Jimmy Butler had COVID. He did. So like, oh crap! <laughs> I don't know. I, oh, wow. I didn't know you knew. Oh wow. Okay, interesting. Pretty sure Jimmy. I'm pretty sure Jimmy Butler had COVID. Because that's season. that's the one problem that I think Liam had a good point on with this extension is that pay, we're paying him a lot of money as he's getting into his mid thirties, and he, he has he's had Thibodeau and Spolstra as coaches. Those are like the two worst coaches to have in terms of like regular season minutes. Like he works them to death. So that's my only concern. What wh- in order for Miami to be a contender before we move on to our next couple teams, what do they need to do? Do they need to make another move? Or do they bank on Oladipo being something? Do they hope Bam Adebayo can develop some jumper? Uh, do we just hope Jimmy's another? Can he return to you know all NBA kind of first team, definitely second team form? What's the move for Miami here to be like Brooklyn level contender? You know, I would wait to like make any drastic moves, play it out a little bit, and wait until the deadline to see how you're doing. You know, um, I think that this team looks really good on paper, right? This team, this grit and grind team, the spacing's good. The grit and grind 
motivation and mentality is really good. The star power on this team with Butler, Lowry, and Adebayo looks really good. Um, I would wait it out to see how Oladipo recovers. I haven't heard much about um, his play yet because, you know, he's 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 gone on with a couple years of injuries and injury-prone seasons. So I'd, I'd wait a little bit just to see how it turns out. I think Oladipo is the X factor. I've said it last season; it never happened. I'm going to say it again. If Oladipo is 65 to 70 percent of his all All NBA year, I think this team's a contender. If he can just be 25 minutes, 15 points, shoots threes, plays defense, I think this team can win. If he's not that guy, I think this is a. Lo- I think we lose second round. I don't think it's going to happen much. Um, right. Another winner for me. I don't know what your thoughts on this team are, but Atlanta Hawks not doing anything stupid. Signing Trey Young to the mega extension, bringing back John Collins on a big deal but not overpay, and you kept the core. The core that just got you to the conference finals, regardless of whether you think they deserved it, is still there to stay. I, Atlanta's a good team next season. Considering Collins almost left last year um, and last offseason and that Collins wanted a max contract last season, I think he deserved it. Now, I think he deserved his deal. He played fantastic um, in the playoffs against Embiid and all those Sixers bigs. Like, he outworked the hell out of all of them. He does. He did. I agree with that. As much as I hate to say it, I agree <laughs> with that. Um, Trey Young on the mega extension, I think, you know, it, it's good. Um, Trey Young worries me uh, in a similar fashion to Bradley Beal and if he can be the best player on a very, very high winning team. Um, he does worry me a little bit. However, his he's a leader in that locker room. He's a great player. He's an all-star, all-NBA player. I think he was worth the mega extension, so, you know, it's good. They kept their core in um, in Clint Capella, Danilo Gallinari. Bogdan. Uh, Can't forget Bogdan. Bogdan. Um, all those I, guys. It's another, it's, it's another, they didn't do anything stupid and they kept their core together that brought them to the conference finals, and that's what they needed to do. If it so happens that they regress, you have a trade deadline. A couple more winners here. I think we can do rapid fire. Uh, Detroit, I like the – I think just as dumb as it sounds, they didn't – I like Kate Cunningham, and I'm glad they didn't do anything stupid because I was worried that they were going to out – like trade down, take Jalen Green number one. I'm glad they just said like we are sticking with our guts here and taking Kate. And they had a really good free agency too. I like Kelly Olynyk for 13 million. Um, some of their other draft picks are pretty decent. And lastly, Orlando, not even like their fault, but Jalen Slugs falling to five is a steal for them. I, I like he's been great in the summer league, and I know you have some of those guys, but he's been one of the 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 guys with the spotlight on him, and he's really outperformed himself in this summer league so far. Yeah, absolutely. I think all the top five draft picks are playing great in summer league, but Jalen Suggs is averaging 20 points per game through two games. Uh, he does it with sprained thumb now and is missing the rest of uh, summer league. Um, but, you know, it's just a precaution. He'll be ready to go for the regular season. I have them as undecided um, just because they have so many damn point guards and what they're going to do with that. Um, and it's just a tough situation because they have RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, and Jalen Suggs now. Well, and Markel Fultz. We haven't forgot about Markel Fultz is off the ACL injury. Exactly. And you have Jonathan Isaac off injury. Um, I have them as undecided to see how these guys show up off injury. Let's get to the losers. Before we get to your team, because I've had a whole ramble with your damn team. Loser number one, without a doubt, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, signing Jared Allen to $100 million when nobody was going to sign him for that money. Not trading Colin Sexton, and yep. you didn't trade any of your veterans that had value. Uh, Larry Nance, who was a, a six-man-of-the-year candidate last year. Um, Chetty Osman, a solid wing player that anybody will want. I talked with Tony on the pod today earlier for like another episode. What is Cleveland doing? You know, I think that Cleveland is a hard market to try and grab free agents, okay? I think Cleveland – no one wants to go to Cleveland – uh, the organization is not tight since LeBron left, and the front office is just eh. So and, well, it's really... it's more than eh. It's like eh with like a bunch of H's at the end. It's like eighteen H's. Fair enough. I do agree with that. <laughs> but you know, I think that they're kind of preparing themselves for another off year to try and get more young talent. Um, you know, this is I. They just they just take really long to rebuild for some reason, which is really weird. Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. Uh, Evan Mobley, 
might be the new young core of the future of the Cavs. That's a, that's a, that's a shaky core right there. That's the pro- I think that's a problem though. That's the problem. It's a very shaky core. So you know, it's a very interesting situation when it comes to that. I don't know what they're actually trying to do. Um, I don't know what vision they're trying to lead and what type of play they're trying to work with. You know, I would have kept Colin Sexton, but I would have definitely traded all these other guys for better role players in uh, trade Larry Nance, trade Seti Osman, trade. Um, I mean, Kevin Love is still on the damn Cavs. Like, what's happening? He's not getting traded. You can't trade that. The, the The mistake started when LeBron left and they gave him $30 million a year for, like, four years. That was – I knew that was, like – in what world was that going to age in a good con- – the, the issue I have is that with this offseason, they messed up on every front. Ironically, their best pick was taking Mobley. Taking – because yeah. Mobley fell to them. I thought Mobley was going to go two to the Rockets. So when he fell, I was like, this is Cleveland's chance. They needed a big man like that. Yeah, and again, it's not like I'm saying don't re-sign Jared Allen because he's a great trade candidate, super young guy, 23, but five for 100. It's a crazy contract for a guy that could be go for three years. and. Like, how about this? Would you rather have Jared Allen for five for 100 or JaVale McGee for the minimum? Because at least JaVale McGee, it's the minimum, and he does like 80% of, what, of, of Allen's work for $99 million less. It's not a horrible they, debate. Well, they kind of chose Allen considering they traded JaVale. Yeah, they got, <laughs> and Drummond, and they, tra- they got rid of Drummond too. The, the, the other problem with the Allen con- I think it's the worst con- – minus DeRozan, it's the worst contract that was signed this offseason, especially yeah. because why give him the fifth year? That's the part that bugs me. I, maybe four for 80, fine, but who was giving him – the extra year because only Cleveland could offer the extra year. So if you're already doing that, why are you paying him twenty million? You're paying him more than Clint Capella, more than Miles Turner. Yep. Almost as much as the like basically a cut like ten million less than the Jokic and B type. He's not worth that money at all. You know, they just I don't know what vision they have for what this team's looking like. And what they want this team to look like in the future to try and win compared to these other teams. They just have these trade assets that are valuable right now. And they're all going to regress. So, like, <sighs> what are they waiting for? I just, I don't understand. They're definitely a clear loser for me. They're a loser number one. Loser number two, the Toronto Raptors. Why didn't they trade Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline? Because all they got back from him was basically Goran Dragic, who has just confirmed he does not want to be there by accident, and Precious Achua, who was a mid to late lottery – or no, he was like the 20th pick. Yeah, and, he's the 20th pick. And he's a four that can't shoot, but he can't play center. And that's your young guy. And they already have Boucher, Siakam. Um, they have – oh, who's the other guy? Um, Fred Van Vliet. Fred, like, they already have a bunch of young guys, and they didn't need him. Why didn't they trade him at the deadline, even to your Sixers or – to the Bucks, maybe, or to God knows who. Why did they keep him? Teams wanted him, too. That's the worst part. It's because teams wanted him at the deadline and were throwing offers, and they were just declining everything left and right because they wanted to keep Lowry. So I just I just, I don't understand. That's another team that I'm like, what is their vision long term? Your core is around C- Spinboy Siakam and, <laughs> and Mini Drake Fred Van Fleet. Like, what are you looking for? Well, and then the, wait, and then the worst play? part, then the worst part, they don't trade him at the deadline, but then he plays five games post trade and then they sit him the rest of the year. So it's not like he didn't even play that the rest of the season. He he was injured. It's exactly my point. And what are they look? What were they looking for? Drakic and Achua are not going to add much value to their core already. That's why right? Miami, I think, won this trade because it's they gave up Drakic and Achua of all people. That's nothing. They gave up nothing of value to get Lowry, who's a basically a damn near all-star. Yeah, it's it's quite crazy, to be honest. It's just, I don't understand what they're trying to do as a team and as an organization. So I had the Bulls as losers. They were next to my list, but I don't want to do the Bulls tick again. Let's get to yeah. your team, Philadelphia. Um, so let me, um, I'm going to let you have the floor now because you gave me the floor. Can you, like, I don't, so I don't know if you know this, but it's August 13th. Free agency started about, what, two weeks ago? Can you explain to me yeah. why they've re-signed Danny Green and signed Andre Drummond? That's basically it. Okay, so <laughs> the Drummond thing was because I think they knew off-rip that Dwight Howard was going to leave. Because I don't – as much as Dwight Howard, like, like, it looked like he loved being in Philly, right? But 
what any chance he'll get, he'll always go back to L.A., right? Like, he literally said that. I just saw a quote on Bleacher Report. Dwight Howard, quote, this is my home. I just took a vacation, end quote. Like, I always – I didn't think Dwight Howard would stay. Audrey Drummond is a little bit younger. Uh, he's actually a lot of bit younger compared to Dwight. He is a good rebounder. He's a good defender down low and a shot blocker, and that's what oh. we need down. Oh, oh, Lord. That's, Off the bench. That's a take. The, the, my, so here's my problem with Drummond. Here's the case why I hate it. Philadelphia's biggest weakness was outside shooting around Embiid. And the only yeah. signing I've seen them make right now is a backup center who's going to play no more than 10 minutes a playoff game. Number one. Number two, if you're keeping Ben Simmons, they cannot play together. We saw that Ben Simmons and Dwight cannot play together. Ben Simmons and Drummond definitely cannot play together. We don't plan on it. And number three... Drummond was horrible around LeBron, Anthony Davis, and, like, actual players. How will he be around a team with Embiid, who, why well, I love him to death, and he's an like MVP candidate, God knows what, but he's got a bit of an, a mini-ego. Ben Simmons is in La La Land, and Doc Rivers is a hard-ass. What, in what universe is Drummond giving you 20, even 15 playoff minutes as a valuable player? I don't see it. You know, our second... Besides the outside shooting, right, that everyone sees as Philly's issue, our other problem was backup big men. It's always been backup big men. It's taken a very small amount of media coverage. The, remember the Kyle Quinn days? <laughs> yes, I do remember the Kyle Quinn days. I actually liked Kyle Quinn back then, but that's besides the point. Um, we, we've always need backup big men, and that's why we drafted two big men. Um, three of our... Two of our three draft picks were big men, centers. One was a um, Adriatic League MVP, which cool. Um, oh. you're, you're still you're still under contract for another year overseas. You're not going to come right away. And another one was another league MVP. I forget what he actually played in. I'm going to look that up while I'm talking. Um, so we got these big men, like young big men that definitely need uh, you know um, development. So but that's, see, but that's the problem. That's why I got to stop you right there. It's not your fault, but this is why I don't like Philly's offseason. So your your uh, your situation to not having enough scoring around Embiid was signing Andre Drummond and drafting two centers who can't play day one. And on top of that, you haven't traded Ben Simmons yet. I would trade him for anything right now. Do the, do the McCollum trade. Throw in five first-round picks and get Lillard. Do something. Don't just sit there and ask for four picks and Moody and Kaminga – and Wiggins and Wiseman don't do the Kings offer of getting Buddy Heald and nothing else. Take Lillard. Like, I don't know why you're not just overwhelming a team with picks and asking for everybody's best player. They called the Celtics and asked for Tatum straight up. Of course nobody's going to do that trade. They right. call, They won't even do it for Jalen Brown, more so anybody else. Philly is a clown show right now. They're not making it past the second round this season. They're not. No, right now it's a very interesting situation. Um, I'm just like... I really don't like the Danny Green re-signs. I think it's just hard. I don't like your team, period. I'm not going to lie. I'm not even being like a heat bias. I just really – it's frustrating because Embiid is a MVP candidate. Arguably, if he didn't get hurt, would have been the MVP last season. And you're wasting his prime years. Building around a guy who can't shoot and a bunch of role players who can't be the second best player on a title team. And their solution was to sign Andre Drummond. Yeah, I know. It's not a great... I was shocked when I heard the news. Um, I mean, look, as much as we need outside shooting, we're developing it right now as we speak in this summer league. We have two guys that are developing these these wing defender 3 and D uh, type guys. Actually, one and then a backup point guard. Tyrese Maxey is developing insanely right now. I hope I, I hope that. so because, my God, they have no score on this team. So I hope he's something. Tyrese Maxey is, like, my favorite player in on the Sixers right now. Um, and Isaiah Joe, who's not a big-name player, but his summer league has been nuts. He's turning into this 3-and-D guy that we absolutely needed. I actually like Ray John Tucker right now. And our first-round first, first round draft pick, Jaden Springer, out of Tennessee, is looking really good in summer league. So, you know, we have this young talent that can come off the bench that I'm like, all right, cool, you can give us some scoring off the bench, and that's what we need. Um well, it's it's just a problem that we're not spending big money right now on big name players that we could be getting because uh, we have the assets, right? Like we have the assets to be able to trade for some of these big name guys. 
Um, however, like I've been reading headlines like for weeks now of we're still trying to trade Ben Simmons before the season starts. We're still listening to offers. We're sending out offers. We're still trying to get him out before the season starts, but they haven't done anything yet. So, you know, it's just I'm losing hope. Uh, what's more likely, a Ben Simmons trade or a Philly losing in the first round? More likely? Yeah. A Ben Simmons trade of some kind. Can I argue Philly in the first round? I, I high-key... Who's trading for him? Like, right now, I, I his value is going down every day. Every day, Philly doesn't pull the plug in this guy. There's no incentive for a team to give him four first-round picks. I'm letting you know right now. I don't know where this team goes. We're going to end up lowering our offers for that type of <laughs> shit. That lower is an understatement. Um, uh, next team that's a big loser for me. Are you ready for this one? The New York Knicks. Big losers for me. Yeah, I was waiting for that take. Fournier for $88 million? Nope. Re-signing yep. all of their guys? Nope. Uh, yep. Julius Randle is my ultimate regression candidate for next season. Out yep. of every team that overachieved last year, the Knicks are the biggest regression candidate. Are you in the same camp as me? Did the Knicks overachieve last year? Because I've had people give me yes and give me no, and I've been on the firm yes. I'm on a firm yes, and I've been on a firm yes for a hot while. Um, they've overachieved. I didn't expect them to go that far. Julius Randle balled out, and I get that. Shout out Julius Randle for that. But he's not going to do it again. He's just not. Julius Randle is the epitome of a guy that once defenses and, and coaching can figure him out, they'll figure him out really quickly. Oh, really? And, you, didn't, you didn't think that? <laughs> just ask Atlanta that one. My God. Literally. So he's just – every other coaching staff is going to get on that wave of this is so easy to stop Julius Randle. Why didn't we do this before? Um, so it's just not going to be bad. It's not going to be hard to stop Julius Randle when he's the best player on the court. Kemba Walker is old and off an injury. Um, he hasn't been the same since Charlotte. Uh, which, by, which, by the way, was a half decade ago, might add. <laughs> um, <laughs> I stopped it with that one. <laughs> yeah, you kind of did. <laughs> uh, 48 for 88 mil is atrocious. 48 never deserved four years, 88 mil by any means. If you wanted to pay him for four years, you pay him, I'd say, 56 mil. Or th- do three for s- – I'd, I'd do 20 million, but like three – like two years maybe, like two for 40, yeah. three for 54. Like, I don't know, 18 million for him. When Powell and Duncan Robinson got 18 million, at least they could play in the playoffs. Evan Fournier's yeah. had a terrible playoff career. Facts. Always. So that's why and I'll, and To bounce off your point, the Randall one is the thing I'm slamming home right now that he's not even going to make an all-star team next year. I'm going to say it right now because here's why. Well, he led the league in minutes last year, and not only led the league in minutes, but like on average by an extra five minutes. He averaged around 40 minutes a night, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, he went from not an all-star to MVP candidate and second-team All-NBA. Very quickly. He had his best shooting season ever from three and from long two, and the Knicks were a top-ten defense even though they gave up like the fifth-most layups and three-point shots. So in other words, they had one of the best defenses ever even though their team was giving up the two shots that you do not want to give teams, which is open threes and layups. This team yeah. this team could just make the play and lose, or they could just not make it outright. I don't think they're a good team this year. I agree with you. I don't think they are either. I just – they're old. They're old. And I really don't like that. Uh, Derek, That's what, Rose, D- Derek Rose is bad. Alex Burks is always injured. That, yep. that, that They're really banking on these guys being the same as last year. And they're not going to be, but in my opinion. I don't think they have a shot at being the same as they were last year, especially Julius Randle. One last loser before we move on to kind of these middleman teams because we're almost done with this pod. Last loser, Milwaukee Bucks. Not getting any guys in the minimum despite winning the title, like even just some veterans, and they're, they've only brought back George Hill. They lost uh, – they brought back Bobby Porter, which is cool, but they lost P.J. Tucker. No marginal way to improve that. Um, they they real, I thought they were going to get a couple more veteran guys on, you know, like cheap deals so you know serve as uh, dudes in the regular season. Bryn Forbes is not there anymore. They're kind of relying on Dante Givincenzo to, you know, be back and healthy – which I don't know if he can by the start of the season, and then relying on, you know, Giannis, Middleton, Holiday to just carry them in the regular season. I think there's just... The guy replacing Forbes is Jordan Nawara. Oh, God. Like, oh, God. You know, it's just... It's hard to have this backup guys. Um, it's very interesting 
setup, you know, of this new, less deep team. Who did they just trade? They traded Sam Merrill and a pick for Grayson Allen. They did. See, I actually do like that. I think that trade was actually not miserable. I kind of like that one. I don't think it is either. I think it's a good trade for the Bucs. Um, but I would have liked to keep Bryn Forbes over getting Grayson Allen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, and, they're only, and they're a loser not because they didn't do anything wrong. I just thought that they just won the title. You think they would get like the... Like the Lakers treatment, like, oh, maybe Wayne Ellington wants to go there for a year. Oh, maybe Trevor Ariza wants to be a backup small forward for 15 minutes a night or whatever. And they didn't get anybody. They got nobody. They re-signed Thanasis. Oh, thank, oh, thank God. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, I like George Hill going back there, as, you know, for them. You know, I would have liked to keep him in Philly, but that's besides the point. Um, I like re-signing Bobby Portis for basically the minimum. Um I think they could have, you're right, gotten more veteran in t- like intake, I guess. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't really have them as, I just kind of have them as where they are, to be honest. I don't have them as much of a loser. I don't have them, like, they're just kind of like, this is kind of what I low-key expected. I didn't think of much, many changes, and I thought people would leave because they'd be getting more money. Yeah, the interesting thing, just to, like, make this big picture... The West had a lot more bigger pieces moving. It seemed like with the 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 Eastern Conference, it was mainly Bulls, Heat, Knicks, and then everybody else was things around the margins. So I think that really does show in our rankings because we can move on to now the teams that I think are in the middle and we need to watch out for. Number one, sneaky winner for me, but I'm playing them as undecided, the Boston Celtics. Yep. Schroeder for $6 million. Josh yep. Richardson trade I absolutely love. They can trade Marcus Smart for something. If they want to go for whoever, Al Horford's back, and they only gave up Moses Brown. What? Who they gave up? Moses Brown and a uh, the sixteen. Oh no, they they got Moses Brown. I'm sorry. They they only have to give up like a first round pick that was like the sixteenth pick. Who cares? They traded Moses Brown again. Oh, oh really? Oh yeah, for uh, that. So anyway, they 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 made good moves. They have bench depth now. They have Tatum is a sneaky MVP candidate. Jalen Brown's healthy again. They got off Kemba Walker's dumb contract, and the Thunder cut him because they knew they could not trade him. Boston's a frisky team next season, right? And that Moses Brown, Moses Brown went to Boston and immediately got traded for Josh Richardson. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Um, yeah. Other another sneaky winner, um, the Indiana Pacers. Why they didn't overpay for Doug McDermott to bring him back? Number one, yeah. and all of their guys are healthy now. None of their team was healthy last year, and they made the 10th. What was it, the 9th seed? The 9. They're a sneaky team to be a top 6 team. If everybody's healthy, they're also a sneaky Ben Simmons team. If they do Malcolm Brogdon and, like, TJ Warren for Ben Simmons or Sabonis and somebody else for Ben Simmons, like, that's a, a, a semi, at least on paper, a semi-realistic trade. I don't know if it happens, but it's not the worst thing in the world. The organization wouldn't want that. They, especially any Sabonis trade standpoint, I would, you know, I would be fine with a Warren and Brogdon part. But they would never do that. Indiana would never do that. No, 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 no. And they re-signed TJ McConnell, which I love. How about would you do, I'm trying to think, would you do Karis LeVert and Warren if you're Indiana? I I definitely would. I don't know if you're Indiana if you do that. I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's rough. it It depends off how Warren comes back from injury. But that's, so that's why I like Indiana, though, because I also like how they, they're banking on health coming back because they didn't have any health last year, which I think is a really good move for them. Right. Um, the Hornets are an undecided for me. They're, they're, so I have them as a winner, but not like kind of like in the margins of like, I want to see the improvement. So because they yeah. didn't do much other than get Kelly Oubre, which I love, they're just like a sneaky winner slash I want to see it on the court first before I overreact. Understood, totally. And then I think that's all the team. I think we actually ran through every team. So we've got about like five or so minutes left here. What is your? What was your biggest surprise from the Eastern Conference in terms of moves? Like in terms of like what did you not expect to happen? Because I think for me, the DeRozan move is what shocked me the most. Because I think Lowry, the Heat rumors were there for a while. The Knicks, we knew they were going to do something. I, I think the Bulls one's probably the shocking one, right? My biggest thing in general is just how many moves the Bulls really made. Um, and just how much they were splashing in the first few days of free agency between Lonzo, DeMar, Caruso, um, and all these guys. Um, yeah, they, they, what they, they, it was 85 million plus 85 million plus 37 million or 39 million plus, um, 
that like that just on those three alone because that's the Lonzo Caruso uh, DeRozan contracts. Yeah. So that's a lot of money yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, it is. So it was just I was shocked at how much that organization was willing to splash around in free agency. Um, same with the Wizards, and I really didn't expect Ross to the Lakers to ever come true. Um, that wasn't one that was on my radar. I thought Russ would be gone, but not to the Lakers. Um, and, you know, I also like that we didn't bring this up earlier, but the Wizards also used the pick that they got from that Lakers trade and traded it for Aaron Holiday. Which I, lo- I love Aaron Holiday. He's a sneaky, yeah. like, feisty guard, yeah. Which I totally forgot about that until the middle of the segment. We were on, like, the loser section. So I wanted to bring that up again, too. So the Wizards and the Bulls are, like, my two, like – wow, you guys splashed around a lot. I didn't expect all of this to happen. My biggest shock from the Eastern conferences, I, I mean, we've hammered home the point, but no Ben Simmons trade. I really thought this Philly would have traded him before the deadline, either for, I think their asking price is just too damn high. Agreed. Agreed. Right now, I mean, I would wait for the deadline, let Ben Simmons prove that he's not such a terrible player after all, as much as the media likes to portray him has, and then trade him. One final note here before we wrap up today's pod. What is one thing you're looking forward to now that all these moves are done? We're basically wrapping up the offseason here from the Eastern Conference. Because to me, I think what's most intriguing is the competition outside of Brooklyn, where now you have Milwaukee, Miami, Atlanta, Philly, and Boston. Plus, you include Chicago, who's got their new team. Toronto, who has people much as they hate, are frisky. Indiana's still a team. Washington's frisky. The Hornets are frisky. There's like 11 teams outside of Brooklyn competing for like 10 spots. Like, it's going to be a pretty competitive conference. The Eastern Conference is, is, we used to think of the Eastern Conference as absolutely terrible, and LeBron just led the conference. It's just, it's so much better now. And, you know, the greatest time in basketball history for me was when super teams just weren't a thing. So I love this competition standpoint where anyone can make any moves. Like, I miss, like, the 2012 NBA, basically. Um, that was that, wasn't that that good Philly year that they won? Like, they made it to, like, was that the Derrick Rose? That was the Derrick Rose year, yeah. That was the Derrick Rose year. Yes. That was Dame in Portland. That was um, the Miami Big Three when they won the title. Yes. Against the- that was a good year. It was a good year. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm that everyone in that like in that year was good. Uh, at that point, uh, Boston was great. The Knicks were good with Jeremy Lin. Um, God, that's a throwback. This is like 2012 retro vibes right here. That was the that was the yeah. good old days. There's some a lot of competitive teams. I think this 2021 season or I guess 2022 season, we're going to see a lot of that same competitiveness. That's exactly what I'm looking for, man. I was that's exactly what I'm looking for. So I'm hoping it becomes like that, and that's what I'm really looking forward to coming this season. Well, Aiden, that's all the time we have for here today. Thank you for joining this. I want to have you on eventually as the season gets started. We have a lot of uh, preview episodes going through over-unders, which is my favorite episode, all that sort of stuff. But thank you for taking the time to be on the pod. Absolutely. We're only a few doors down again, so let's, let's make it happen. <laughs>